0: it's race week
1: oh what does that even mean and that's the intro (laughs) (laughs) hello everyone and welcome to another that time when podcast from wtf1 this is the show that brings you all of the weird and wonderful stories from f1 past and as always and as always i'm doing really well today really really well i'm joined by dan and tommy hi guys
0: hello it's the nerdy boys
1: it's the nerdy boys oh we're still running
0: with that 100
1: percent um the people voted on it you're 100 percent the nerdy boys nice but anyway <laughs> moving <laughs> swiftly on this week it is german grand prix week and no tommy it's not i'm not having you it's say. german
0: grand prix race week
1: god's sake It's not race week. Well, it is race week, but stop saying it's it's race race week. week. Everyone knows it's race week. It's race week. I don't need every single social platform in the entire world telling me it's race week. It's race week. Anyway, it's the German Grand Prix this week. and uh, This
0: week, race week.
1: (laughs) Stop it because you're putting me off my flow. Right? (laughs) Right. This week, (laughs) we're talking about that time when Jackie Stewart won at the Nürburgring. Ring? Ring? Oh, God. Jackie Stewart won at the Nürburgring with a broken wrist.
2: Pretty impressive. A broken wrist in the dense fog and mist. Oh, wow, wow,
1: Dan. How long had you had that one down for? Or did you just, just flow with that one? It just one? came to me. That was freestyle, was a, it? In a
2: dream. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this podcast is taking a weird <laughs> and wonderful turn. Anyway, so it's 1968 and the German Grand Prix is held at the Nürburgring, which I think a lot of F1 fans would like to see return, wouldn't they?
0: i wouldn't but yeah Ooh. people would oh i would
1: oh there oh, we go the, the yes. north debate no, Why?
0: not the oh sorry no, it's, just yeah, the, n- it's okay. the north
1: circuit isn't it north circuit n- north. of the of the nirberg yeah
0: this this one in in question is the the Nordschleife, which Nordschleife. i feel like the north which uh, i feel like everyone listening to this podcast if you don't know about that circuit i'm very surprised that you'd be listening but it's <laughs> obviously one of the welcome or, to motorsport yeah. <laughs> one of the most famous circuits in the world. Um, one that people, you know, still absolutely adore. They still do a lot of racing on it. Uh, Nürburgring 24 hours. Yeah. Test cars there. But Formula One, not very suited to it these days. Very dangerous. And, I think that's uh, what people yeah. like
1: about it though, don't they? They love the fact that th- it's, it's, it's ruthless, isn't it? The Nordschleife.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's no basically... tarmac runoff. <laughs>
1: Depends- and the, and the um, what's it called? Carousel
2: yeah yeah that's that's pretty that's a cool cool little corner
1: pretty hefty anyway it's it it was held there in 1968 and as always we like to add a little bit of context in terms of why we're speaking about this race and why this race was um <laughs> sorry
0: <laughs> okay got a
1: bit of ginger nut stuck in my, stuck in my throat. <laughs> um,
0: just too excited for race week
1: so excited Um, What was going on in F1 in 1968? Because that was quite a long time ago now. I mean, none of us were born. None of us were even thought about being born. Probably our parents had just been born. So carry on. What was it like?
0: Uh, Very dangerous, unsurprisingly. (laughs) Uh, It was that sort of, um, that era where, sadly, there were just, it, it was, you know, drivers getting injured and even dying would just seem to be Part of the sport, which um you know, we're talking about Jackie Stewart in this one. He was obviously a pioneer for safety. But yeah, 1968 was a year where Jim Clark had died in a crash at Hockenheim, uh, which was a F2 race, wasn't it? Was two it? Race, yeah, yeah. Uh, which was quite common for F1 drivers to do F2 yeah. races during during that year when there yeah. wasn't as many Formula One races was there during the season.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, quite a lot of drivers did all sorts of racing, not just F2, but they do sports cars and everything as well. Um, and it wasn't Jim Clark was obviously the big name that died, but there was also some other F one drivers who perished that year. Um Ludovico, Scarfiotti, Mike Spence and Joe Schlesser had all died that mm. season. And it's Jesus barely even halfway through, which yeah. is fairly typical of that era, unfortunately.
1: So where are we at entering into the German Grand Prix? What's the what are the standings looking like? Who's who's where and who needs to do what?
0: Uh, so the title fight was looking between Stewart and Graham Hill, really. I'd say from yeah, the, yeah. the points, but it's quite it's it's kind hard. of classic awkward point system of the era where they only take certain results. Is that right? yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And drivers don't always do every race because their teams can't be bothered to do certain races and things like that. So it's kind of hard to work out who a title rival is, especially when there's only like ten races in a year. Because someone could win the last three races and win the title theoretically, sort of thing. So
0: yeah, so it's a weird one. But um, weird, weird thing I uh, found about this race, uh, coming on to the German Grand Prix at the Nürburgring, it was the uh, fifth wet race in a row. Oh, wow. that,
1: that was difficult to say. You almost tripped fifth, up on that. Fifth
0: wet race in a row.
1: Well done, though. A bit like, of a tongue twister. Did I s- make it? You did. Wow. But I could see like there was like a moment where you almost didn't, and I would have completely. A little puff of
0: smoke just came up my ear. <laughs> it
1: was with trying to focus on that, so fifth wet race in a row.
0: Imagine that nowadays.
1: Uh, well, yeah, could you? No, no. I
0: couldn't. No, it just gets threatened. Fans would the fifth love the it.
1: fifth race in the row. Oh, see, Here fifth race in a row that w- rain rains on threatened. the podium. Yeah,
0: yes. yeah, <laughs> yeah. We get that a lot.
1: So, if the Nürburgring wasn't difficult already, conditions were less than ideal
2: yeah it was it was basically just torrential rain, fog and mist the whole weekend. There was even talk of cancelling the race. It was so bad. jeez, for a sixties so. race that is a rare boy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: so um Jackie Stewart, given all those conditions, Jackie Stewart is also not looking to be in tip top health, is he
0: no. No. I will just say about the conditions, actually. Uh, oh, one, thing okay. I, one thing I noted down oh, was. Um, oh, I'm sorry, sorry. I, did I jump up? Uh, you, you did. I just to forgot to uh, mention that, uh, just as a, an idea of how bad it was, uh, in qualifying, drivers said that they could see no more than 10 yards in front of them during. Oh, yes, because I so see that. Uh, yeah. so, so misty, it was foggy. You know, there's absolutely no way they'd even consider racing now. And, that you say, for them to even consider not racing in the 60s shows just how bad these conditions were
1: but yeah. race they did yes they yes. did
0: they w- they went uh, went ahead anyway on the most dangerous circuit in the world and the most dangerous conditions in the world and jackie
2: stewart turned up with a broken wrist just to make his life harder
1: yeah. and how, how had he broken his wrist
2: uh he'd actually had it for quite a long time it was three months earlier he'd had a crash while testing a formula 2 car but i think what happened is it had been injured and basically because it kept racing it had got worse and worse and it, it was eventually diagnosed as having a, a broken bone in his wrist ahead of the weekend and basically had it in a cast for the whole weekend but that didn't stop him from being awesome no because it almost did uh, he didn't actually want to do the race he was forced into it by ken tyrrell
0: yeah so it? that's one of the things that i'm interested to hear your opinion on dan because jackie stewart is obviously a notorious driver for pushing safety and he had a huge crash at spa was that two years earlier yeah Uh, nearly killed him and you know it changed his whole approach to formula one and he you know he was a he really pushed safety in formula one and wanted people to, to essentially stop dying and getting injured every single race you know his friends and colleagues were dying in almost every single weekend yeah um and it is a bit of a strange one that jackie stewart as such a safety pioneer would even consider racing in this
2: yeah well um, well that yeah that's like I said he he didn't want to do the race but Ken Tyrrell said uh, basically you know we're here as a race team you're getting in that car and you're doing the race um, which is something that Tyrrell apparently later said he regretted saying and that he was just basically hoping every lap that his driver wouldn't die because he realized he'd been Quite pushy, but as for the whole safety thing, can I come back to that at the end? Because I've got that as part of my conclusion for the race.
1: And we have to follow a certain order in the podcast. We have a pattern, Tommy. We'll stick to it. Okay. You got mad at me for jumping the gun, so. Oh, sorry. Yeah,
0: sorry,
1: sorry, (laughs) eh? sorry. Okay, so anyway, he started sixth, right? So hadn't qualified particularly brilliantly.
2: No, no, back in... Uh, Ix was on pole. Yeah, I think Stuart's time was like 40 seconds slower because that's just how conditions were so bad then. that I don't think anyone particularly cared about going quickly and qualifying. They just wanted to be alive sort of thing.
0: Um, yeah, yeah like I was saying about qualifying, just such poor conditions. Yeah. But yeah, he um, he got into the
2: lead on the first lap uh, from sixth. It, yeah, it's, he he basically went from sixth to third at the start he was running behind uh, graham hill he was leading and then chris amon and the spray was so bad uh that Stuart after i said that he or later in his career said that was he'd never been more frightened in a racing car because he literally couldn't see anything at all how uh,
0: how on earth do you drive when you can't see
2: uh, anything at those speeds um but he, he got past amon reasonably quickly and then he followed hill for most of the rest of the first lap and then at the Nordschleife, there's a corner called it's called or well, referred to as the mini carousel um, yeah yeah there's, it's basically there's two, there. there's two, so if you know the Nordschleife, you've got the massive long straight the dottinger her um i think it's called um and it's basically that's at the end of the lap and then it's the start finish line and the um the mini carousel is the penultimate corner before that long straight so it's right at the end of the lap yeah um Stuart got ahead of Hill there and then by the time he reached the finish line he was in the lead by nine seconds in basically like three or four corners because Graham Hill was so shocked by the spray which he hadn't realized because he'd been in the lead lead, that he just basically slowed right down yeah Um, it was incredible he was can't blame him though really no 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 no.
0: (laughs) and as as is the case when you've got a clear track in front of you and we say clear very loosely because obviously you still can't see that much anyway because the conditions were so poor uh but he pulled a 34 second lead by the end of lap 2. Yeah. <laughs> which obviously it's slightly exaggerated because it's such a long it's four track. Times longer than any other uh, track, yeah. Yeah, which probably just say for again you surely know the Nürburgring but it's a 22 kilometer track back then so yeah, it's a big boy. It's a big boy. <laughs> <laughs> long boy. Yeah, 14, 14 laps only, so. That's, yeah, that's which, crazy, isn't it? Yeah. That's yeah.
1: crazy. Could you I couldn't imagine Having a track like it on the current F one calendar,
0: yeah, there's nothing even. Spa's the longest. I mean, Spa's obviously. the longest, which is what seven
1: kilometers. Seven kilometers, yeah, yeah, and it's so that's not even it's half. Not even, not even half of this. Yeah, but so Stewart came out afterwards and said that actually the conditions made it possible for him to drive because had the had the track been dry, his steering would have been way heavier. And he reckoned he wouldn't have been able to manage the car at all. He thought he'd be in too much pain. But because the track was slippery and his steering was lightened, it actually alleviated some of the pain. I mean, not completely, obviously. You're still driving an F1 car at 100-odd miles an hour around the Nürburgring with a broken wrist. But it did help. The conditions actually helped him, which is kind of weird to think about.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Nordschleife is an incredibly... Physically demanding track as well, especially back then. So for it to rain was kind of almost not negated, but basically made his broken race less of an issue. Yeah,
1: and he, th- now everyone says that it was his greatest win ever.
0: Yeah, so he won by four minutes.
1: So yeah, I mean, we were talking on the previous that time when podcast British Grand Prix edition. You know, about 50, you, second leads, about fifty seconds. Fifty yeah. seconds, and even in you know today's era, we're complaining when the mercedes finish seconds, seconds ahead, ahead. Yeah. we're talking four minutes imagine imagine like a mercedes or whomever winning not don't want to favor mercedes but they are winning currently a lot at the moment um if they were to finish four minutes ahead
2: yeah i mean i don't even think in the austrian grand prix that williams were four minutes behind the exactly so that's like that's a huge difference the for
1: commentators S- would have to fill a lot wouldn't they really and he's crossed yeah. the line and then four minutes later <laughs> Yeah. And then they would come in for second. That would be like quite a quite an interesting one, I think. Yeah,
2: um, I mean, just incredible. A, yeah, I mean, just as an example of how some of the other drivers were struggling. Um, Graham Hill was battling with Chris Amon uh, for second, um, and Chris Amon is he spun out basically early in the lap, but Hill didn't realise, so he was racing the rest of the lap, thinking that. He had aim on right behind him in the spray, like worrying when he's if he's going to pass him where he is. And then Hill had his own spin and was terrified that he was just going to get smashed into by this car that wasn't even there because he couldn't <laughs> see it. Wow, that's um, crazy! Because I guess that, uh, yeah,
0: no, no team radios back then, no, yeah, you, you wouldn't have a clue, but, just spray everywhere. But and, even
2: Hill was so far ahead of the next car that after a spin, he stalled it, he had time to get out push his car (laughs) jump back in bump start it and get going without losing a position wow and um X as well had an interesting moment he had a spin um and it got mud all over the visor on his helmet so on at the end of the lap he took his visor off gave it to the pits drove another lap while they cleaned it uh with no eye protection whatsoever and then picked it up again on the next lap i mean that's pretty
0: terrifying and borderline stupid because uh, I think we mentioned before what had happened to Helmet Marco, where he got you know stone in his eye during a, yeah, a race that yeah. left him blind in one eye. Uh, but that was another race where um, I think that was the race where Dan Gurney was the first person to wear a helmet that, that covered that like all, full, of all of his face, rather than the, the old sort of it would just
2: be an open face, open open face, face helmet a the, Yeah,
1: <laughs> but as we touched on, it was it was lauded as. Um, Jackie Stewart's greatest drive ever. But is was it the best win ever, bar none, do we think? Because that's something else that some people have come out as saying, is that not only was it Jackie Stewart's best win, mm. but it was arguably the best win ever in F1.
0: Yeah, when they had the 1000th Grand Prix. It's Ooh. another tongue twister. Uh, it's really hard to say that, isn't it? Um, <laughs> uh, F1.com did a greatest drives in F1 history, and they did put that one first. But... What, what do you think? Do you think it's up there?
2: I think it's a really boring answer, but it's impossible to say. Yeah, because that was... was there's exactly, no, there's you not, can't compare There's hardly eras. any footage of it. You can't compare eras. None of us were around to watch it or even read about it live. Um, I think quite a telling thing is that after the race, uh, Dennis Jenkinson, who was is basically an incredibly famous motorsport journalist from the 50s and 60s, is basically the the bible for motorsport back then um he praised it and said that there were three drivers before that who could lay claim to being the greatest which uh two pre-war drivers Rudolf caracciola and uh uh, burnt rosemeyer said that uh, Caracciola was the rain master, Rosamaya was the fog master because they'd both done incredible things in bad conditions like Stuart had. And he said that Juan Manuel Fangio was the uh, master of the life, but Stuart topped the lot. So that's incredibly high praise, yeah. saying that, you know, these are three of the best drivers. Stuart's just done better than any of those ever did. And this was still relatively early in his career. It was only his fourth season in F1. Wow.
1: Yeah, so he
0: hadn't won a championship yet. Yeah, he, was, yeah. he was sort of emerging as the next sort of big deal big deal yeah big yeah. boy big boy as we keep saying in this podcast for some reason <laughs> yeah because uh, uh another another race you mentioned it like Fangio at the Nürburgring uh, we yeah. spoke about it in the one where he was kidnapped yeah um yeah that's another race which is considered by many to be you know one of the greatest drives of all time uh we won't go into it listen to the podcast if you haven't <laughs> yet you'll know about it uh and you know there's I was thinking the very same as you. It's such a boring answer, but it's just so hard to compare. You know, uh, Lewis Hamilton winning a race now is so different to Fangio winning a race now. You can argue, well, Fangio won by, you know, minutes and minutes, but he was competing against some people that were just amateur mechanics. But then you'd argue that he didn't have power steering and, you know, the cars were harder to drive and you had to wrestle them but then Fangio wouldn't have been able to drive the cars on the the limit it's just every era is just too different yeah, to compare. But yeah. I think
1: it's I think it's wise to have kind of greats of different eras because yeah, yeah as you've just pointed out f1 is such such a sport it evolves so much yeah and there are so many variables um at play that it's it is impossible to compare I think and, but I do think that you'll always have kind of standout people from each era that kind of define that era in terms of who mastered it. Um, yeah, I think
0: a lot, of, a lot of drives, if you consider the best drives ever, a lot of them always come down to wet races. So. Yeah, yeah. Funny that, isn't it? Yeah. But I guess
1: it is because that, I guess, thinking from it from my own personal spec- perspective, you guys might have a different opinion, but it's where you see the drivers kind of at their most vulnerable because they are passengers. A lot of the time, like they're having to wrestle with. So even as you were saying, you know, Fangio had to literally wrestle with the car every single race that he ever undertook because he didn't have power steering and have driver aids, all those kind of things. In modern day, even though they do have a lot of assistance um, in the current F1 cars, when it's raining, if you. If yeah, you, you see him
0: fighting the car a lot more.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one wrong move and you're out. Yeah. it's kind of, you know, like um, Max Max's Brazil, when was it, 2017?
0: Yes, yeah, it is a chance for a, a, a driver. It sort of levels the playing field a little bit. And there's been a lot of drives where someone can stand out in the wet above yeah. other drivers. So, you know, Senna, when he was in that Tolman in 84 yeah. at Monaco, yeah. he, you know, he, yeah, he did a few things like, yeah, but that was his chance to prove himself i think it's
2: easier to understand the margins as well i mean in the dry someone being two tenths faster than someone else can isn't like an incredible achievement considering the standard but in the wet because it's so much harder those margins go up so someone being a second faster is it it makes it easier to see. oh that's a great job than if someone's going two tenths because that's nothing to
1: it it really pulls out the men from the boys i I think because you'll have drivers that will absolutely i mean i guess anybody can drive fast in the dry right Anyone anyone can drive fast in the dry.
0: Yeah. Right, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry I
2: had to say it. <laughs> I had
0: to say Jeez. it. Jeez. set me up. Just wait till he win the next up.
2: race in the wet.
1: Yeah, exactly. Oh wow. But I think it, it, it takes a, it takes a different level of of skill to to win or to master the wet just purely because it takes that extra level of courage because you just you have to drive fast in conditions where you hit a wrong point you hit a puddle and you aquaplane and that's it you know you have to you you have to master it and it's we've seen so many drivers who have completely and utterly fallen apart as soon as it starts raining and others that have completely come to the to the surface in terms of being greats yeah. I don't think it's you know I don't think it's um, a coincidence that most of the greats were all Rainmasters. Rainmasters. Yeah,
0: yeah. If you think of uh, the drivers that are amazing in the wet—Schumacher, Senna, Hamilton—they're also the 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 ones that are considered as you know the greatest ever as well. So
2: yeah, yeah. Although I think it is getting harder now. I think the car is making more of a difference in the wet. Oh yeah, yeah. 100%, so yeah. someone doing well in the wet now might not necessarily be an indicator that they're a great like it still would be a good drive but it might just be that that car is particularly suited to the although rain. i think
1: you know i, I, I still, I, 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 still brought was... it up, I brought it up a little like a couple of minutes ago but max is 2017 brazil
2: yeah that was a 2016. drive well, 2016, 2016 sorry yeah.
1: 2016 Get my dates right sorry yeah, thank good. god i've got the nerdy boys to correct me yeah but his 2016 brazil drive i remember i was in an airport um coming back from the moto gp i think valencia round and Everybody was watching it in the airport, waiting for it to get on the flight, and I almost missed my flight because I couldn't stop watching because it was just magic, and it was the it was the, the point that he was finding, he was finding lines that no one else could find, and pushing to the absolute limit of what was possible, and that was a modern day F one car, yeah, and f- and no one else could do seemingly no one else could do what he was doing,
0: yeah. It's funny that with great drivers, and if Max goes on to become a world champion like everyone thinks he should... Ought to, yeah. Ought to. uh, We'll look back on that drive as the breakthrough drive, and it just seems to be so many champions where they sort of have that wet-weather breakthrough drive. It it just seems to be the the natural stepping stone where you sort of start in a decent decent-ish car and then you have some amazing drive in the wet that everyone goes wow this this guy's the next big thing and then starts to do well you know it happened with Senna like we said in uh 84 um and you know Schumacher was doing the same thing with sort of wet races where he that allowed him to sort of prove yeah. himself
2: Panis in 96 <laughs> of course he went back <laughs> to that um but yeah I'm I'll go back to that thing you made, that point you made about Jackie Stewart. Oh, finally, oh, we can oh, round yeah. back up. We'll, we'll, round, uh, we'll go back to that. We went on a
1: tangent. Dan's bringing us back into, we, we're going to, into uh, the subject matter at hand.
2: So, yeah, basically, the, as you mentioned, S- Stuart had a terrible crash in 1968 where he's basically left trapped in the car. He had to rely on Graham Hill going and finding a toolbox from a local farmer to undo the steering wheel and get and him out of the, the car. car yeah. And it was basically at that point that Stuart realised that things needed to change and he was heavily criticized for it he was saying that things needed to be safer cars needed to be safer tracks needed to have more barriers and runoff area because it was still seen then as f1 is dangerous people should there should be the capacity to die and it was basically people saying oh who's this new guy coming in and telling us that it all needs to be different so when he won that race in the most appalling conditions possible with a broken wrist by such a dominant fashion i think people suddenly thought oh hang on we can't criticize this guy for thinking that f1 is too dangerous while well, he's just gone out there and done that so it it kind of made paved a, the way. it paved the way for him to be taken more seriously by his peers and by the motorsport community in general i think
0: that's interesting because yeah it, it could have gone two ways really it could have yeah. gone oh, well, you're happy to race in those conditions and and win and take all the points.
1: And look, you won with a broken wrist, so it can't be that bad. Yeah. Surely.
0: But yeah. no, it's it, that's interesting that instead he sort of, yeah, earned the respect of his peers to be able to push those safety.
2: Yeah, it's kind of like saying, yeah, it's dangerous. Look, I can go out and do this, even though it could kill me. But it shouldn't have to be like that. We should all be able to go out there and know that. If something goes wrong, which is out of our control, like it would have been in that race, then they can all come back. I mean, interesting that race actually. Of the twenty starters, fourteen people finished despite the conditions being so bad, and only yeah. three of them were crashed out. Yeah. yeah. So the drivers as a whole, I think Stuart Arthur race just praised everyone and just said it's brilliant that everyone finished the race basically.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And here, here, really. Absolutely. Yeah. We shouldn't. We shouldn't have to. Or they, you know, we should never have had a period where it took multiple deaths in a season to get people to change safety. And people argue that are we too obsessed with safety right now, but no one should ever die.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, 50 years ago, complaining about the Norse life being too long and too dangerous. And now people saying, oh, we shouldn't have the halo. Yes. In in another 50 years, it'll be looked back upon as, I can't believe people resisted the halo sort of thing. And I know like
1: everyone's like, yeah, but it's, you know, the risk factor is part of the the spectacle of F1. But I was, I mean, again, like going off on a bit of a tangent, but I watched Gladiator at the weekend. I (laughs) thought Um, you were going to say
0: Gladiators. (laughs) I was like, I mean, throwback throwback
1: and what a program. But no, (laughs) as in the Russell Crowe film. Okay. because it's on Netflix, if you didn't know, catch it on Netflix. This isn't, an ad. Ad. This isn't an ad for <laughs> no, Netflix, an ad. but it was. <laughs> um, yeah, I, re- I w- and I remember thinking, like, how crazy is it that we used to... Well, not we, because we weren't around, but people would... kill
0: just, for sport, you mean?
1: Well, they were killed for sport, but people wanted to watch people die. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just because, you know, people are going, oh, you're all snowflakes now, you're all too sensitive to things. But I don't particularly... W- I, like... Not to not to bring it up because we could probably talk for ages and ages and ages about this, but you know i i am still i still find it really tough to watch Suzuka, yeah, I still find it yeah. really really tough to watch Suzuka after what happened to Jules and it it get it really gets to me and I can't imagine that you know any of us really as f one fans would ever want to see that ever happen again, so yeah, exactly. what the hell is is the problem yeah. with trying to make it safe if you're ruining racing um again not to go off on too much of a tangent because i think we probably could uh in terms of like the rules and regulations i think anything that keeps our drivers safe but allows them to show what ultimate skill they have um when on on track in winning races then what the hell's the what the hell's the matter with that
0: yeah yeah Agreed. and on that note <laughs> well done jackie stewart We should stewart. probably,
1: yeah well done jackie stewart for paving it's kind the way of his for safety. It's kind of his it's why i'd
2: argue that he's the greatest driver of all time but that's a story for oh. another oh, really? day yeah. we'll that's have to come back when to that Dan now.
0: dropped the bombshell of jackie stewart's the greatest driver of all time at the end of that time when
1: and on that note thank you ever so much for listening um As always, please do send us any story ideas that you've got, any weird and wonderful stories that you've heard of F1 that we've not covered yet. Um, You can send that to us on Twitter using the hashtag WTF1podcast or you can slide into the old DMs on Twitter or Instagram and let us know what you would like us to cover in a future episode. As always, please do give us a rating on whatever podcast platform you're currently listening to this on. It really helps us know that we're doing a good job and we're giving you the content that you want to hear and also helps other F1 fans discover this podcast so that we can share some more weird and wonderful stories in the world of F one because they are there are some right corkers that we haven't even touched on yet. So make sure you're subscribed as well to this podcast if you're not already because we will be bringing tons more content to you every single week, including our race review uh, podcasts that come out after every Grand Prix weekend. So on race week, I'm ra- I'm so gonna kill you. <laughs> that was
0: a good, r- nicely rounded from race week to race week. Yep,
1: you were planning that the entire time, weren't you?
0: Yep. I've not been listening the entire time. I was just ready to thinking trigger about you. how you can trigger me.
1: <laughs> Thank you ever so much again for listening, and from myself, Jess and the F1 Nerdy Boys, it's a uh, good-
0: it's
2: race week.
1: It's race week. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye for now. I'm I can't even goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Goodbye.